You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Unless a man hate his mother and father, he cannot have no part of me. Ow! What do you mean I gotta hate my mom and dad? I love my mom and dad. That's not what he's saying. He said, Nothing comes before me, guys. Nothing comes before me. Nothing. He says, you, you honor your sons more than me. And since Eli would not direct his sons the way he should, either as a father or as a head over them, He was essentially putting them before the Lord. Have you ever wondered why God would sacrifice his only son for you? You might think it's because God loves you, and that's right. But in today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that God didn't just save you so you could work in the ministry. God saved you so that he could have a relationship with you. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 2. As he continues his message, God's judgment falls. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons, on uh, on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, who shall do according to all that is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, saying, Please, Put me in one of the priestly positions that I might eat a piece of bread. Wow. So judgment has come. Judgment has come. The man of God appears. This man of God appears and pronounces God's judgment to Eli. Not only does it fall on the sons, but it falls on Eli as well. The title man of God is used some 70 times in the Old Testament. And it usually refers to a prophet sent by God. This is not an epiphany or a theophany of Jesus Christ. This is not that. The man of God deals with the past in verses 27 and 28 and the present in 29. We don't know who this man was. This is one of God's anonymous characters in the Bible. It doesn't matter who he is. He's a man of God. And God has raised him up to speak to Eli and Eli's whole family at this time. He says, I did not reveal myself to the house of your father. Who's he referring to? Aaron. Aaron, remember, the priestly line was to come through Aaron. Priestly line was to come through Aaron. You couldn't be a high priest unless you were a descendant of Aaron. That's who this man is talking about. I revealed myself to your father, Aaron. He's referring to him who was the high priest. And since the high priesthood is a hereditary office, That's why the sons of Phineas and Hophni, those two boys, were getting ready to be high priests by hereditary. God reveals himself to Aaron. And in in 1 Samuel 2.28, a wonderful summary of the duties of the priesthood in Israel. To be my priest, it says, first and foremost, the job of the high priest was to minister to the Lord. He saved me to fellowship with him. 
He saved me, saved me so he and I could have a relationship together. This is gravy. This is something that he's given to me. This is something that he has chosen me for. But my job is to minister to him. I can't minister to you unless I'm ministering to him and allowing him to fill me and show me. Because the things that I teach you and the things that I read, I have to go through first. So it's my job as your pastor to seek him first. And this is why there are elders and deacons in the church. For the building up the body for the work of the ministry. The pastor is supposed to spend time in the Word of God, reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, getting close to God, drawing close to God, and finding out what God wants, the direction he wants to take to church. You can find that in Acts 6. In Acts 6, when the disciples were too busy waiting tables, helping out the uh, Hellenic widows, there was a ruckus going on because people said, well, they're getting more than these people. And they said, it's not good for us to wait tables and leave the word of God. So go out and find six men, and we'll let them be the table waiters. And there become deacons. And Stephen was one of them, and Philip was one of them. Men full of the Holy Spirit. Men full of wisdom. See, that's the beginning of the church. It's not that we don't do these jobs. It's not that I can't do those kind of things, and I do those kind of things. But really, the main job of the priest, the main job of the pastor, is to get with God. It's to get with God for leadership of the church and to find out which way God wants to take the church. That's the main job. So you see this here. So you see, we're set up the way it's supposed to be set up. This is what God wants for them. He says, to offer upon my altar. The priest was supposed to bring forth sacrifices for atonement and worship. The altar was the place where the atoning blood was both shed and applied, the blood that would cleanse from sin. The altar was also the place where the sacrifice of praise was bought. But remember one thing about the sacrifice. You go back to question number one. The priest's first and foremost job was to minister to God. If the priest chose to do the sacrifice without ministering to God first, guess what? He was in a heap of trouble. Because if he went into the Holy of Holies without having taken care of his sin first, he didn't come out of the Holy of Holies. God killed him. That's why they used to tie a rope around his leg if he went in there, because nobody else could go in the Holy of Holies except the high priest. And if the high priest fell down... They would pull him out with the rope. Also, they had little bells on the bottom of his, of his robe so they could hear him walking around in there. So they knew if he was doing something wrong, he died. He had to take care of his sin first. See, we minister to the Lord first, and then we minister the sacrifices, he says. They burned incense. The burning of incense was always a picture of prayer. Prayer, going up to God in a sweet-smelling aroma. Prayer, the incense going up to God. That's a picture of prayer. The smoke would ascend to heavens. The priest would lead the nation in prayer, and the priest would pray for the nation. So you see, a lot of the things that we do are taken right from here, except I don't have an ephod. An ephod was what they wore. It was the clothing that they wore. It was specifically meant for glory and beauty. You can find that in Exodus 28. And the priest was supposed to represent majesty, supposed to represent dignity, glory, and the beauty of God to the people. I think this is one of the reasons why you see a lot of the priests have these big robes and stuff like that. In the offerings, the priest was also charged with the responsibility to receive the offerings of God's people and to make good use of them. Okay. So a lot of those things happen. The man of God said, speaking for God, why do you kick against my sacrifice? It would have been easier for Eli to say, it wasn't me, it was my kids. It would have been really easy for Eli to say, well, I, I, I've been following you, Lord, but those guys, what am I going to do with them? No. 
But Eli had a double accountability. He had accountability out as a father. It didn't diminish because his sons were adults. But he had accountability as high priest also. And he wasn't living up to what he was supposed to be doing. His sons worked for him as priests. And Eli was a bad boss. If you're a pastor and you have people who work for you, by meaning working, I mean in ministry, if they are involved in illicit things or if they're involved in sin like that and you allow them to continue in those things and continue to serve in the Lord, the Lord's not going to deal with them. He's going to deal with the pastor. He's going to deal with the pastor and say, hey, you're allowing this to happen. You're in charge, pal. Let's talk about this. Yeah, it gets a little bit more convoluted than you really think when you think about it, you know, because, you know, I have to answer to God for the whole shebang here, okay? So I have to get before him and say, okay, Lord, this is happening, you know, right? And, and when things are shown to me, I have to act and deal with them, and sometimes it's not pleasant, and sometimes it's hurtful for me and, and the person that I have to deal with. And believe me, it's not pleasant all around. But if I don't do that, i got to go to the woodshed. I don't like going to the woodshed. Been there too many times. Which paddle do you want me to get this time, Lord? Not the big one. Come on. He always chooses the big one. So we have to act. So we have to do that because we have a, we have, see, we have to learn from what we read in the book. You see, God doesn't change. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He doesn't change. And His church doesn't really change. This is the model of what we do, you know? And sometimes it seems harsh, and people go, well, you know, where's the grace? Well, there is grace in this. There is a lot of grace in it. And we're all about restoration. It's all about restoration. God wants to restore Israel. He wants to restore Israel back to himself. But he's got people standing in the way, so they have to be removed so God can restore them. Okay? But this is Old Testament times, so things get a little harsh. Things get a little bit difficult. He says, you honor your sons more than me. Ouch. You honor your sons more than me. Ouch. I'm thinking of a line that Jesus says. Unless a man hate his mother and father, he cannot have no part of me. Ow! What do you mean i got to hate my mom and dad? I love my mom and dad. That's not what he's saying. He said, nothing comes before me, God said. Nothing comes before me. Nothing. He says, you, you honor your sons more than me. And since Eli would not correct his sons the way he should, either as a father or as a head over them, he was essentially putting them before the Lord. If he would have been more afraid of offending God and less afraid of offending his sons, he would have corrected them. See, this is the problem. So I would rather answer to God. I want to answer to God and be clear with God in what we do here at Calvary Chapel. It's no fun in that woodshed. No fun. Because he says, I'll cut off your arm. Now, this is not a literal picture, but it's, what he's doing is he's going to cut off the picture of strength and might in Hebrew thinking. You can find that in Psalm 10, 15, Psalm 77, 15, and Psalm 89, 10. This was saying that the house of Eli would be left powerless and would have no strength. As a priestly family, it means they would be debased. It means they would be at the lowest of low. For a priestly family not to have strength would be a disgrace. I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me, but now the Lord says God, God here is promising that the priestly line would stay with Eli and his descendants. 
But it's not going to happen. It's going to pass to another descendant. This was fulfilled many years later in Solomon's day. Abathar, from Eli's own family, was disposed as high priest. And he was replaced by Zadok, who was from another family. You can find that in 1 Kings 2.27. So in 1 Kings 2.27, So Solomon removed Abathar from being priest of the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning to the house of Eli at Shiloh. So was God going back on his word? No. Wasn't going back on his word. Not at all. The promise referred to the promise of Aaron in passages Exodus 29.9. God did not remove the priesthood from the line of Aaron, but he did remove it from the line of Eli. Eli had assumed the promise was for him also, but God was going back on Eli's assumption, not on the promise. There shall not be an old man in your house forever, and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of the age. This diet is repeated three times in a few verses. God wants to emphasize that he will not bless the descendants of Eli with long life. What are you gathering from this? Are you gathering a God with a huge salad wooden spoon, wanting to smack you upside the head at every cost? I'm not gathering that. I'm gathering a God who has rules and who has laws. And when these rules and laws are broken, we must be held accountable for the breaking of these rules and laws. Remember, this is all pre-Jesus Christ. This is all pre-Jesus Christ. It sounds harsh. It sounds difficult. You know, we read some of these passages in the Old Testament, and they're difficult to deal with. They're difficult. And a lot of people who don't know about Christianity, who only look at Christianity one way, get stuck in these passages and they say, how can this God do this? How can you love this God? That's because they don't know Jesus Christ. They don't know him. They don't know why he came. They don't know what he accomplished. They don't know anything about it because they don't know the complete Bible. You can go to the Bible, you can get an obscure verse like this or an obscure story like this and read it without reading it in context, without knowing the New Testament, and go, oh, why would I serve a God like this? If I mess up, he's going to kill me. Well, you're not half wrong. The wages of sin is death. But he has given us, he has given us an out. He has given us a way because God always has a plan. God always has a plan. He tells Eli, your eyes shall be consumed with grief and your heart's going to be grieving. The descendants of Eli aren't going to live for a long time. They will be painful to observe. Eli's going to have to watch them grow and die at early ages. He said, this will be a sign since the fulfillment of the judgment will be many years. It goes all the way to the days of Solomon. God gave Eli an immediate sign to demonstrate his truthfulness. Both his sons are going to die in one day. And Eli's going to see this. And know the judgment of God has come against this house. And that one day the priest will be removed from his family. And that hurts. That's rough. That's rough stuff. God wanted Eli to know that just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And I think we get a little cocky with our sins sometimes. We get a little easy with our sin because nothing's happened we think we can get away with it. And we think that God's silence is his okay or, or his approval. Er, wrong answer. Wrong answer. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't make it untrue. God's promise is sure. And he wanted Eli to know this. But I love the word of God. I really do. And when I study it, 
I go through a passage like this and I scratch my head and I pull it out and I go, oh man, what, what's going on? And here comes the redemption. Here comes the redemption. He says, then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who is faithful. Who is the faithful priest he's predicted here? Well, I've come up with a couple of them. He was a great priest because he did according to what was in God's heart, it said. He did. He was a great priest because he did what was according to God's mind. He was a blessed priest because God said of him, I will build him a sure house and he will walk before my anointed forever. Forever. Think of some people who might fulfill this. I will raise up a faithful priest, a great priest, because he will do according to what's in God's heart. He will do according to what's in God's mind. He will be a blessed priest because God said of him, I will build him a sure house and he will walk before my anointed forever. Well, this was partially fulfilled in Samuel. It was partially fulfilled in our boy Samuel because he will function as a godly priest. He will effectively replace the ungodly sons of Eli. He will be a godly priest. It was partially fulfilled in Zadok who, in the days of Solomon because he replaced Eli's entire family entirely in the line of priesthood. But you know what's coming. Hebrews 7, 12 through 13. It was ultimately totally fulfilled through Jesus Christ who was a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ fulfilled this. What's the lesson we need to learn from this chapter? What's the lesson that we need to take with us today? God will always raise up priests. Now, he calls them priests, but here I'm going to say men to lead. God will always raise up leaders in the church. He will always raise them up. And that's his business. And that's one of the reasons Calvary Chapel teaches the Scriptures line by line, verse upon verse, because it goes to Ephesians 4.11. For the building up of the body for the work of the ministry. We teach the Word of God so you get built up and then your heart gets open to God and God shows you things that He wants you to do and God raises you up. I see in this fellowship God raising people up. I see in this fellowship God raising people up. And there was a time when I didn't see that. Now I, I, I am joyous because I see God raising men and women up. He's raising them up. God uses us when we're ready to go, when, we, when we've learned and we've studied and, and, and we've come again for, and we come, come before him and ask. Yes, God will always raise up men as long as he tarries and he doesn't come back. There will always be leaders ready to go and lead God's people into the truth of Jesus Christ. But we must be leading them in the truth. Please, please. There is so much garbage out there. There are so many things out there that will draw you away from the truth of Jesus Christ. So many things. So many things that people say it's Jesus Christ plus this. It's Jesus Christ plus that. It can never be Jesus Christ and plus anything. For it's only Jesus Christ. Him and Him crucified. It's all you need to know. And we move forward. But there's so many things out there. And as the last days hurry up towards us, and as this thing speeds up, remember what the Scripture says. More will come in and say, I'm the Christ. No, I'm the Christ. And there's the Christ. And many Christs will come in and try to take over and try to woo the way. And there is going to be a great falling away if it hasn't happened already. People will be drawn out. This is another reason why at Calvary Chapel we teach the Word of God. If you know the truth, not only are you set free, but you know... The untrue. 
You can identify the untrue if you know the truth. That's why we study God's Word. That's why we're so incessant upon studying God's Word on Monday night, on Sunday in the book of Hebrews, on Sunday morning in the book of John, on Saturday with the girls, and on Saturday with the men through Proverbs. We're always in the Word of God because that's what we do. We want to study the Word of God. Study to show yourself approved. So, so we can lead people to Christ. So we can show people God's love. That's why we do it. There are weak priests. There are weak pastors. There are corrupt priests. But God will raise up great men. God has always raised up great men. There's always been great men of God to lead the way. And He will raise up great men. Fitting judgment on the sins of Eli's. Because of their greed and the stealing from God's people, God said, everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down for a piece of silver. It's a fitting judgment. Instead of receiving their priestly portions, which were given to them as priests, they were going to be reduced to beggars. They were going to have to beg. We've been given such a blessing through Jesus Christ. We have been given... Everything we need for life and godliness, the Scripture says. We've been given everything that we need to live this life, to go through the trials that are going to befall us, the suffering that's going to happen to us. We have been given everything through Christ our Lord. He has given us those things, and He's given given them to us freely. All we have to do is ask for them to receive. But it came at such a cost to Him. It came at such a cost, and never, ever ever forget that cost. Never forget what it cost God to bring you back to him. The next time you're out there dabbling, next time you're out there and you're being tempted, next time you're out there in the world and and you, you see a chance to maybe do something that's not right and you know it's not true, remember the sacrifice that was paid. Remember the sacrifice that was paid for you to be free in Christ Jesus. That God's going to raise up men When it comes time for me to leave, either by retirement or the Lord decides to take me, God will raise up men to take my place. God will raise up men. As long as he doesn't tarry, doesn't come to get us, there will always be men to lead. It doesn't, one person can't do it. It's got to be a collective group. It's got to be people who are excited for the Lord, who want to see the Lord do something work. The Lord has shown, shown me some really neat things about Lower Township. He's shown us some great things about what he might want to do down here. We're we're getting there. We're moving forward. We're we're getting there. We've had some setbacks. It's been a tough time, but you know what? He's pushing it through, and he's being faithful, and he's trusting us, and he's giving us hope. And our hope is in him. And our hope is in him. And you know what? How dare we keep one foot back for those that have gone on before us? We need to honor them by moving on. By moving forward, we honor them. We honor them. We move forward. That's what I want to see us do in this new year. I want to see us move forward. I don't want to forget anybody. I don't want to put them, but I want to move forward and honor them. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. 
You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m., along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.